and probably on the other side the customer has maybe uh, expectations that can't be fulfilled at yeah. this constellation or there's something that is not working as, as expected. Hello there and welcome to our new Ask the CEO Q&A session here at the Virtual Frontier. Today's topic of our Q&A session is how to handle difficult clients and enjoy work. Everyone knows them, who works with clients at them. We are speaking about the difficult ones. When a client relationship has turned into a state of difficult, work will most certainly become stressful and productivity drops. Today, we'll examine some important waypoints on the customer's journey, starting with the right onboarding, handling difficult situations in complex circumstances, getting to the core of problems, up to a consensual termination of the business relation. See you in Chester Flash on the other side. Welcome to a new session here at the Virtual Frontier, our Q&A session. Our topic today is how to handle a difficult client and enjoy work. So um, this is today a little bit more technical and uh, on the day-to-day -day work uh, oriented. Um, first question, when we start to work with a new client uh, or on a new project uh, is, um, is onboarded, what are the key elements to get it or to get a kickoff right and, and get the things uh, in the first place rolling in the right direction. I think that starts before the kickoff. I think that starts during the entire journey from your marketing through your sales to the kickoff. And what happens often is if this is not aligned, if marketing communicates something, sales communicates something, and then the team mm. does something else, and your contract says something differently, then the, the root cause of typical problems is that expectations are not well set. And what I mean by that is, so expectations will be set by being very clear what the client wants and how to measure if he really gets that. For example, if your client wants to win new leads online or new clients online or wants to have a website relaunch that improves the conversion rate of his traffic, so whatever that is, you should be very clear how to measure that. And once you are clear on that, you should be clear on what your client gets from you because you cannot, you cannot give him leads, right? You need to build something that generates leads. And you build something which is an online funnel or a website or whatever your service is that then has the effect of generating leads. So you should be very clear of what the client gets. What is your promise? Is it a result based on a specification like how the website looks like? Or is it an iterative process like an agile process where you are just describing the process of interaction and the skills of the team that executes the process. And that is a different thing, right? This is if you are not 100% clear about the end result, which happens pretty often. And what is also very, clear, uh, very important is that your client gets very well set expectations by you or your business what is his or her role and which responsibilities this person should take and how to interact with the team. 
So that might all sound like a lot of things, but yes, these are a lot of things. And reality shows that if you don't get them right, then your your relationship can like crash really fast because clients have expectations. You don't know them. You try to please them. Doesn't work. And then, yeah, it, it the project is a mess all over the place and clients don't get the results. So everyone's frustrated. So setting clear expectations is very, very important in the beginning. Yeah. Picking up on the expectations and, and the alignment. So um, pr probably I as a company also have like expectations out of the projects and probably on the other side, the customer has maybe uh, expectations that can be fulfilled at yeah. this constellation or there's something that is not working as, as expected or from, from or not possible. Um, so how to avoid that this is something that is like um, a growing pile of uh, um, um, problems and uh, how to set it in the first place right so and uh, from both uh, both sides of the expectations so the more your offers are standardized right um or productized even uh, that means mm. you are very clear about the delivery process you have a quality standard you know exactly like which deliverables your clients get which roles you have which kpis you need to monitor in order to see if your team is on progress and if your client gets the result the more you can set these expectations as you are very clear how the process goes and what you do in order to get your clients the result. If you are not clear, this is a big problem because your client isn't clear. That's why he's your client or she's your client. This is why they approach you and your business because they need an expert leading them through the process to get them the result they want. So now if the provider is not clear about that process and cannot lead the client, because to be able to lead, you need to have clarity in which direction to lead and how. Then the problem is obviously that there is missing clarity and the service provider, you, me, whoever that is, doesn't really know how to get the client this result. So the more quality you want to provide, the more clarity you have in your process, in your deliverables, in the roles and how the team should work with workflows. So this is, this is a crucial component. So let's say the, the project is, is uh, in process, uh, you're working with the client and as we work in more and more complex uh, uh, projects, uh, most probably some problems will appear on the journey, um, unexpected things. Um, how to handle those problems if they're maybe probably caused internally, um, maybe they're from customer side uh, or there's maybe something going off rail uh, in the communication. Um, should I hide or should I confront um, how, how, how I should go for that in, in the first place? Yes, if you want to have a big drama in the end, it's good to hide everything <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> you cannot avoid that. It will crash. You can hide some small things in the beginning and then you hide the next thing and the next thing. And in the end, it's a big mess and a big crash and everything yeah, goes, goes down. So I cannot recommend hiding anything. I believe in full transparency and transparency starts with the process and the tools that bring the transparency to your clients and to your team, right? And that I think this is the crucial part, providing transparency over the entire process. And your process and your tools, they have the purpose to bring this transparency. And then you need to know who has which accountability and decides about what. So for example, if there needs to be taken a decision about requirements, because 
I don't know, circumstances changed, stakeholders raised additional requirements or clients, the clients of my clients complained because they want something else, then who needs to decide about this change in requirement? And typically it's the client because he or she owns these requirements. But when it's related to the technology or related to people in the team, then who decides about these changes, right? Mm. And then typically it's the project manager in, in, in the business deciding about that. And if you have this clarity, who owns what, then it's easy to make things transparent and help those people solve the problems where they should be solved. But transparency is the first thing. And then clarity about ownership and accountability is the second thing to avoid that situation that you hide things again and again and again, because you are afraid of consequences or you have no idea how to deal with these problems. And then in the end it crashes, so better make it transparent upfront and then try to find a solution as early as possible. Um, it's always uh, important to get to the core of a problem and often uh, this is in the process and the communication in the first place might maybe not really clear or it's some somewhere hidden. Um, and then we have like also this uh, to distinguish between like personal people problems or process problems in um, uh, how could I get to the core of that uh, in, a, in a practical way? There is a nice, nice tool, which is called the five whys. For example, there's the problem or let's rephrase that and call it symptom. There's a symptom that the client complains. So you ask, okay, why, why is that? And then the team says, yeah, because we have too many bugs. Okay. So why do we have too many bugs? Because this is just another symptom. It's a sub-symptom, right? We have too many bugs because requirements are not clear. Or it could be that requirements are clear, but the team didn't understand them, which is another root cause. And you dig deeper by asking everyone in the team, why, why, why five times? And then it's very likely that you get to the root cause. And this is what you fix. And once you fixed it, the other symptoms will disappear. And if you just focus on fighting the fires, like the client is not satisfied, And then you say, okay, then let's have a meeting and you try to please the client. This won't solve the problem. It would just maybe raise the mood a little bit, but the symptoms won't go away as the root cause isn't fixed. So you need to dig down into the root cause and then fix it to have an effective solution for all the symptoms. When I, um, or let's put it the other way around. Um, when a customer approaches you as, as a company owner um, and says, I'm not happy with this project or I have problems with this one, um, how should I react in the, those kind of situations when I'm not a, the stakeholder in the project, even if uh, it, it's my company? And how could I support my team members um, to solve these situations in, in, a, in a good way? Yeah. So... The first thing is that you see a complaint as an opportunity to improve one thing and to improve the relationship. It's the second thing. So appreciate these complaints because if clients don't complain that they just leave, you didn't learn anything, right? So a complaint is always an opportunity to get something better out of that. And how to get that is by first listening and asking more and asking why and asking how do you want that. And so really understand the client and listen more than you talk. That is important. And then you bring the feedback to your team and they should come up with solution how to improve that. Or they should like do the five why and dig deeper into the root cause to find the root cause of this problem or the symptom that they want to fix. 
but I, I, I want to really encourage everyone to not move the root cause of the problems to your client saying, oh, it's the, it's the fault of my client because then you are helpless. You cannot change your client. I mean, you can fire clients, of course, and you can attract better clients by changing your marketing. This is all in your, in your control, but rarely it gives you something to your hands to improve it. If you just find the problem in other people, that's valid for your clients. That's valid for your team members. So I would try to work with that and find a solution. And now then there is also sometimes the case where the client behaves really like this and they just always, in any case, point to you or team members or the service provider and they don't want to take any ownership for anything, not even their requirements. And they just always blame other people to like, you have to do this and this is your duty, etc. And if there is really no way out, it's sometimes better to like quit and have an have a have a still kind conversation with the client saying that our path needs to be separated because we are not fit for each other but before you do that i want to really encourage you to try to really find the root cause of what causes this unsatisfaction yeah um so probably before breaking up i i would have a question a follow-up question on that later on but let's say there is um some some kind of escalation in inside the project in the communication whatever so um how could i uh, or what would be uh, some practical steps to overcome this um situation to de-escalate and bring things back on a common ground i think having a conversation listening asking finding the root cause and agreeing on the root cause being very clear on the symptoms Right. So, okay, what, what is causing your unsatisfaction? And typically it's either too many problems. So the, the, the quality of delivery is not good enough or the communication is poor because there is no contact person that I can reach or yeah, the budget is exceeded um, or the timeline is exceeded or there is no transparency about progress and results, which could also cause unsatisfaction. So talking about that, then finding these root causes and then fixing them and really try to fix them because it helps your, your business improve if you manifest this learning across the company and not just in one specific project, then it's a big win because then this complaint helped you make all other clients more happy, which makes your business more successful. Mm. What happens, uh, and, and probably this happens more and more often, that we work in some with some kind of technology um, that the customer maybe knows what he wants as an outcome, but the technology behind is so complex um, that um, maybe the customer really don't understand how it works. Maybe not even the project manager or, or the company owner. Um, as this is really specific and complex. So how you... Um, work on those kind when, when, when they're appearing problems in this um, stage of a project, how you go for that, that this is uh, uh, done in a clear and transparent way and we are not uh, lost in, in, inside the technology as a problem. I would again say make this complexity transparent and try to make it transparent in the way that a client can understand that it is complex and why it is complex and how that impacts the project and what are potential solutions to like break down this complexity into smaller pieces that are easier to understand and handle, right? But yes, that, that can happen. And then transparency is key. 
And I think if you can really articulate and show that you try to find a solution, but the circumstances are really complex. So typically I experience two reactions. Some clients say, thanks for showing that and for making that transparent. So I appreciate that you care about this. And other clients might say, sorry, I don't care. You are the expert. <laughs> yeah, but probably you're not, right? Yeah. Uh, not, not in a specific uh, technology, but there, there would this might have solutions for yeah. that, right? And that almost every work currently in the digital world is driven by technology. More and more technical systems come up and the, the entire subject is complex. So if you hire a marketing expert, that doesn't necessarily mean that this marketing expert knows all the technology that is involved into the marketing operations. Or if you hire a software developer, that doesn't mean that the software developer knows all software. And if you hire, like, I don't know, a UX designer, and a UX designer should fix something like on the website that implemented his or her design, that doesn't mean that this person can fix it because he or she also needs to understand the underlying technology and might not know that. So having systems that consist of multiple different components that are complex by itself just increases complexity exponentially and that makes it just more complex <laughs> so there must be there must be education around that and better in the beginning of the project than in the end that's how i would would handle it as projects are getting more and more complex documentation and um yeah, documentation is a, a crucial point um could you elaborate a little bit on the cost of documentation mm -hmm. and also on the on the benefit side What what I get out from a good good documentation uh, in communication with my uh, client? Yeah, I think you you should you should. I mean, you can document a lot, but the question is uh, always: Is it worth the money? And that that is related to your question, right? So what what you can document is the requirements, and um, that is important because not just because of the purpose of documentation, but because it provides clarity for what, the, what you as a product owner or the client wants and helps your team understand what they need to deliver. So this is important. If it's just a spoken word in a meeting, then the meeting is gone and the spoken word is also gone. And then everyone keeps something in their brain, but maybe it's not what the client wanted. So document the requirements. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you have shit in, shit out, right? Quality assurance starts with requirements. And then document the system architecture. If it is a marketing system, software development system, I recommend really documenting all the systems involved in this entire big system so that you know which components like do what and then document access so that you have administration access in case you want to do something on that. And I'm not a big fan of huge lines of documentation in code when you write software because the software needs to be written in a way that someone can understand it. Of course, that requires time. You don't open the source code, look at it and say, ah, okay, I got it. But looking at a good structured code, well-structured code and uh, to the requirements together will help you understand the project better. And I'm a big fan of recording videos because when you have like sprint reviews and in the end, when there is this review and the team presents the delivered um, stories implemented to the product owner or the client and you record this video, Then in the video, you have all the information of requirements developed by the team. And this mm. makes knowledge persistent, means when there is another person joining the team, you can simply ask this person to watch the last 10 videos and then get the knowledge of the last 10 or 20 weeks in the project. And then it's persistent. 
that's what I recommend doing while just, yeah, it's, it's per autopilot, right? You just click the record button, that's it. So this is at zero cost. But in the beginning, I would say if you document your requirements very well, you, you have the most important things already documented, and that has a high impact on the efficiency of delivery. Because if the delivery, in the delivery, the requirements are not clear, there are so many back and forth questions, and then something will be presented, but it didn't match the expectations, so it goes to another sprint and back and forth again. So I think requirements are not costs. I think they, they are an investment in a more efficient process, and it saves time and money in the end. Yeah. So uh, we have, uh, or you have already um, said something about um, yeah, when we need maybe to break up with the, the customer or the client. Um, how is this done in the right way? And um, what, what, should, what should I do when, or how, how should I do it when we need to do, uh, yeah, cut ties and, and go different directions? Um, how is it done correctly and probably... How yeah, I mean, it should, should I avoid? it should still be in a cooperative way. Avoid like uh, flaming up like an, uh, a huge escalation between these parties, right? Because there's always a solution that you can find when things don't work out, but it must be a fair agreement for both parties, of course. And mm. um, that's what I would aim for. And I would also try to take away the learnings because obviously something didn't work out. Either you attracted the wrong type of clients in the marketing and they got some expectations from your marketing that you cannot fulfill or it happened during sales. Um, or your teams are not trained to deliver what marketing and sales sold. So there is, there is always a learning that you can use to manifest it in the business and make the business more robust for the future. This is what I, what I would try to take out of that situation. Okay. Um, last question for today. Um, why could um, virtual teams um, be a great thing when you work uh, with demanding or difficult uh, clients uh, in complex uh, uh, environments? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, because sometimes you can, you are so deeply involved in the project and in the subject itself that it's hard for you to really like see the things objectively. But what you could do if you have a virtual team and you have access to global talent, then you can ask yourself, okay, what would be a good profile of a person? I'm talking about experience and soft skills and hard skills that could help us um, like dispatch this problem, find the root cause, right? And then you hire such an outside person and give this person the responsibility to do a root cause analysis and try to give us an objective picture what is not working here. And this person just gets paid for that. So she or he is not influenced. You can even make 50-50 with your client. So there is no, no one-sided interest. And then you get an objective, objective picture. And if you have an objective picture, it's uh, typically, you know, when you want to find the solution, knowing the problem accounts for 50% of the solution. If you don't know the problem or you have a moving target and you have no idea what you want to fix, then it gets really, really complicated. Awesome. Manu, I think we covered some uh, really interesting points about uh, handling difficult uh, clients or situations. Um, thank you very much and see you next week on our new Q&A session. Awesome. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
We hope you found this session helpful. Head back to our in-depth blog article on how to handle difficult clients and enjoy work. What did we miss in this conversation? How can we do better? You know the best. Hit us with your comments and reviews. We're happy to engage. And before you leave, hit the subscribe button, give us a thumb up and share the session around with your friends and colleagues. Sign up for the free business builder training on fleshup.io and learn more about how to scale with your business at any time, work with global top talents and make work better. On behalf of the team here at the Virtual Frontier, I want to thank you for listening. So until the next episode, keep exploring new frontiers.